Welcome to the Christian Contractor Podcast. Christian Contractor Podcast. A show created for kingdom-driven Christian contractors that are focused on scaling their business in God's name while positively impacting the world around them. If you're ready to ascend from a contractor to a purpose-driven business owner, we're here to serve you. Here's your host, Brandon Guthrie. How to hire A player talent during the great resignation. What's up? I'm Brandon Guthrie with the Dream with Dream Design Labs on the Christian Contractor Podcast, where our mission is to help Christian contractors turn their business into their ministry and scale it in the name of God with biblical principles and righteous marketing so that they can be a light in the darkness. Marketing doesn't have to be hard. You just need the right tools and the right heart to serve. Thanks for tuning in. I'm super excited to have Victoria Cartmill of Sales Transformation Group with me today. Victoria, welcome and thank you for being here. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you, Victoria. Um, I we've been uh, I've been blessed to already have been working with you um, in Sales Transformation Group in conjunction with clients and colleagues and and amazing things that we're doing right now. So super excited for that. And before uh, we have our Christian Contractor listeners listening in right now, they're chomping at the bit because, man, so many residential contractors face the challenge of hiring good people. I mean, we hear it all the time. I know, Victoria, you hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. Man, it's a huge issue, and I'm super excited today Victoria is going to bring all those challenges to an end. So tune in, stay to the end. And before we get into the secret sauce, I want to hear a little bit about you, Victoria. Get us introduced, who you are, you know, give us your story, who you are, where you came from, and how'd you get here? Yeah, so hi. So I'm Victoria Cartmill. I'm thrilled to be here. It's been great working with you, Brandon. And um throughout the past you know couple months that's been great but um i come from sales transformation group um i have a background in customer experience and in training so that was a really good fit into the coaching role that i'm in right now i'm also the director of client experience so that's a great thing um and i came to stg i wasn't actively looking for a job i was actually pretty passively looking for a job but it was a company that really spoke to me um, it had a greater purpose, something that it really believed in, and I was able to really help others. And that for me personally, I feel the most successful when I'm able to help others be successful. So it's just a really good fit. I work with over 100 clients, so um, I hear, you know, the good things, the bad things, and the indifferent things all day, every day from um, contractors and a lot of them in the residential space. So hopefully I'll be able to bring a lot of value and uh, be able to help with hiring some awesome people. Yes. Wow. So cool. So cool. It sounds like, um, Victoria, you obviously have a, a lot of a strong background in this field and you'd be able to bring a lot of value and um, you weren't even looking for a job and you landed on this because of purpose and values. And I think that there's a lot to be said in making sure to have your purpose and your values aligned as a company for you to be able to hire talent that aligns with that and your retention is going to be so much greater when you do those things. Because look at you, you're a rock star, and it doesn't sound like to me that you're going to be going anywhere, anyone soon. Like you're pumped to be here, you're serving, you're feeling fulfilled. That's huge. So awesome to, uh, yes, yes, yes. So awesome to hear that. And um, on that note, that's going to give us uh, confidence that you're going to be able to bring some epic value today. So Christian contractors listening in right now, we're about to jump into the secret sauce. We're going to hit three key points today. We're going to be efficient and effective with your time. We value your time. We know you're out there. You're on the field. And maybe you're listening to this, you know, between client meetings. So let's get to it. Um, <laughs> okay. So first off, what are the biggest mistakes contractors make while making hiring decisions? Oh my goodness. There's a lot of mistakes that I see. So I would say probably the number one mistake that I see is people hiring out of desperation. They take the first person that they can get because they believe that somebody is better than nobody. 
And I will tell you that is not the case. You get the wrong person in, you're either investing a ton of money and time and training somebody that's not gonna stick around. That's not good for anybody. You get the wrong person that doesn't align with your values. You have to spend a lot of time performance managing them out. I mean, there's just so many things that can go wrong if you get the if you get the wrong person. If you get the right person, everything's great. But if you hire out of desperation, that's never a good time to pick. I really respect those contractors that wait until they get the right fit, not just take the first person that comes along. That's one of the biggest mistakes that I see. Another one that I see is hiring out of convenience. Hiring out of convenience. So, you know, my buddy, he is looking for a job and, you know, he's right here. I've known him for 20 years and, and he's my pal and I'm going to have him come work for me. Or, you know, my son's buddy, he's out of a job. He needs a job right now and I can bring him on board. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they can't be great hires. Those could be good hires. But I will tell you that the... The competencies that make up a great successful employee are not the same as what makes a great and successful friend. So sometimes somebody might be a great friend, but they're not gonna be a great employee. And that can add strain on the relationship itself, on the friendship itself. If you find yourself in a position where you've got somebody that is not doing the job, is not getting the job done, and then they're your buddy on top of it and having to have those tough conversations, that's really tough. Um, I think another mistake that people make is not putting adequate pressure on the interview process. So we're gonna talk about some attributes and things that are really important and key to look for, but one of the things that no matter what position you're hiring for, the bottom line is you've got to have somebody that can deal with stress. You've got to have somebody that can handle stress well and be adaptable. So it's important during the interviewing process to make sure that you put some pressure on them and you really see how they're able to perform under pressure. That's really key and important as well. And then I think lastly, one of the biggest mistakes that I see um, are people not having an adequate ramp up or training process in place? And so you can get the best person in the world and hire the completely right hire, but if you don't have adequate structure and training in place, then you're setting them up for failure. And I hate to see that happen. I hate to see when there's not a strong process in place, somebody good gets hired on, but they don't make it. They end up leaving because they're discouraged. They feel like they don't have direction and there's no clear process set up. So those are some of the key mistakes that I see, Brandon, and I hate seeing them. I really wish I didn't have to see them so often. Mm. Wow, that's huge. So for the Christian contractors listening in right now, um, I think we're feeling all really convicted right now. Like, oh, snap, I have someone on my team that was a buddy, that was a friend or was a family member. And, um, you know, it almost thinks like, oh, shoot, am I too far gone already? Um, that That's popping into my head. This is kind of like going on a side tangent. If someone's in this situation, what would you say, Victoria, would be like, and what do I do? Uh, am I stuck? Do I let them go? Do I do I try to hire someone on top of them and then transition them out eventually if it becomes not a good fit? Or like, what would you recommend for someone that's in that position right so, now? So there's a few different ways you can handle it, but all is not lost. Don't lose hope. Um, there's definitely things that can be done. What I typically advise people and coach people to do if they're in a situation where they've got their buddy working with them and it's just not working out, they're not living up to expectations, I say instead of being timid and afraid to have that tough conversation with them because of the friendship, you don't want to disturb things or make them mad at you or make them feel uncomfortable. Like a lot of people feel that anxiety when they when it is their buddy. Like I totally get that. Um, but I would say actually look at it in a positive way. So you've got a good relationship with this person. So use that friendship and leverage this and say, hey man or woman, like these are the expectations and you're not living up to them. This is my business. It means a lot to me. It's important to me. Your friendship is important to me as well. And I'd like to see this work. I'd like to be able to, to have this happen, but this is what I need to see from you. 
And having that the additional mm-hmm. investment is not just another employee, but also a friend that should want to see you successful, right? A friend wants to see you be successful. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would say, you know, instead mm-hmm. of looking at that relationship as a negative in having that conversation, look at it as a positive and another kind of leverage that you have, really leverage that friendship and the importance that this business and is for you in order to mm-hmm. be able to have those expectation conversations. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, leverage that, like, hey, this is really important to me and they care about you, so they might be able to step into that. Or what it also even pops up into my head is, because our friendship is so valuable, we need to end this, this, this position sure. that you're in to maintain our friendship. Sure. Absolutely. Right? So that's, ooh, that's good. That's good. Um, so there's that, and then not adequate, not having adequate pressure in the hiring process. That's, that's an eye opener for me. I'm taking notes. This is for the listeners, but it's also for me too. That's huge. Um, you know, I'm really gonna like that's going to be a checklist that I never miss moving forward. I think that up till now, I haven't really been saying to someone that I'm trying to help you know, hire someone on their team, uh, make sure to have those really difficult conversations in the call. I might as well get it out of the way now, right? Uh-huh. Instead of figuring it out later, because everyone wants to be kumbaya, buddy, buddy on, on the interview process. But you kind of got to, yeah, have that pressure and really see their true colors um, what would be an example that, uh, for like a type of question or a way of doing it or like I think that sounds great putting pressure how, what would be an example to put some pressure on to really you know bring their true colors to the surface and be able to know who they really yeah, are so I think a, a good way to bring some good pressure because pressure isn't always bad right it's it's a good thing um, and I it's to ask situational questions So tell me about a time when, tell me about a time when you went above and beyond in customer service and have them actually have to recall an actual event, not just say, is customer service important to you? They're going to say yes, right? They're on a job interview. They're not going to say no, but tell me about a time that you went above and beyond. Tell me about a manager that you didn't get along with and tell me why. Um, that, and have them, you know, if, if you might find a red flag there, somebody might say, oh, I had a manager and they wanted to know where I was all the time and I didn't get along with them. Well, that's might be a red flag because this person doesn't like accountability. Um, so those type of questions, tell me about a situation where you didn't get along with a coworker and what that looked like. And so you can bring out a lot of potential red flags through the, um, tell me about a time questions because you're asking them to give you specific examples and you'll be able to tell pretty quickly. You should be able to tell if they're fibbing and making it up or if they're really recalling an actual time because good answers are honest. You want to make sure they're being honest. And if it takes them a little time to think and come up with an actual situation, that's okay. That's good because they're recalling an actual situation. So that's a good way to put some pressure on them. Most people don't expect that in an interview. They kind of expect the fluff and, you know, and and I think sometimes contractors feel like they have to sell their organization to this candidate. And that's not the case. The candidate should be Mm -hmm. selling themselves to the organization. They should be able to show what they bring Mm -hmm. to the table. Then you can show what the organization can Mm -hmm. do for them. But it's really their job to prove their value. So I think that's a great way to be able to to add some good pressure. Mm. Okay, those are really good examples. I love that. So ask them to recall a specific situation. So. When times got tough or when you didn't get along with someone, that's really, really good. Thank you for that. And then this is also a huge one. I've actually heard I, I met um, <clears throat> someone that's in recruiting, and he said, I will not work with you if you don't already have an onboarding process in place. If you don't, you know, I'll bless and release you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's how important an onboarding process should be. Um, and where there, and that can be a selling point to. Uh, those candidates too. It's like, hey, we're, you're not getting hired into this random spaghetti mess. Like, we have a process for you to onboard and ramp up 
and you can expect these things in these next four to six weeks. So that's huge. Um, and then another, uh, <clears throat> an even layer deeper, and I love, I, I love to hear your thoughts on this. Is also um, letting them know that there's a career path, so it's not like a dead end job. It's like, hey, you start here, and by the way, you can be here, and that can get them like, okay, this is not like a, this is not a, just a revolving door. Sure. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And with the ramp up process, like I don't want to. It doesn't have to be this elaborate huge deal right but like you said just what they can expect the next few weeks what the process looks like and then you're absolutely right a career path is important the right person is going to be driven and driven people are typically not happy where they are in the sense that they always want to get to the next step and that's the kind of person you want to hire somebody that's always mm. looking to grow always looking to, to develop always looking to be better those are the people that you want so you want to give them the opportunity to do that otherwise you're not going to retain them if it's just flat dead end you know you're going to be a production manager for the rest of your life and that's all that you can ever do you know that's not going to be inspiring and want people to really grow with you but as your company grows and becomes more successful you want to give them the opportunity to grow and be more successful mm, huge wow okay so everyone listening in that's huge i mean write these things down don't hire out of desperation or convenience Put adequate pressure in the hiring process, onboarding process, potentially even career path. I mean, you do those things and you, you practice patience and you wait for the right candidate, for the right people. And man, what a game changer of hiring the wrong person compared to hiring the right person. Because sometimes you have those wrong people for a long time and it takes you backwards further than you thought, you know, there's so much opportunity cost by getting the wrong person. So let's implore, let's practice patience and self-control. And those are huge. So when hiring, make sure to do that. You're going to be one step closer to hiring a player talent, which is going to help your organization. It's going to make your life way easier. Mm -hmm. So big, big one. Okay. So number two is going to be what are the top qualities to look for in project and production management? So that's a really good question. So I know I've already mentioned this, but I, I think it bears repeating. I mean, you want somebody that can handle stressful situations. It's not always a steady eddy job. Sometimes things are going to be slower. Sometimes things are going to be way quicker, very fast paced. So you need somebody that can handle stressful situations and that's adaptable, that is able to adapt quickly. Um, somebody that handles change well is very important in, you know, especially new businesses. It, things are changing all the time and that should be looked at as a great thing, an exciting thing. Somebody should look at that as, this is great. Like I come to work every day. Like that's one of the things I love about my job. I come to work every day. I never know what I'm going to get, but in a good way, you know, you never know what different mm -hmm. issue a contractor mm -hmm. is going to be going through or something great happened and they're sharing their, their victories. Like you never know what you're going to get. And that's an exciting thing for me. Mm -hmm. Some people view that as like, Ooh, that's scary right? It shouldn't be scary. It should be exciting. Mm. And then I think this is probably the most mm. important, I would say, is you need somebody that can take complex problems and break them into simple steps. So with production and with project management, oftentimes with a project, there's a lot of complexity to it. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of things that need to get done and it can seem overwhelming. And let's say you've got a project manager that has people working underneath them. They might not be as good at breaking things down into simple steps. So they see the whole thing. They think, I, 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 I can't do it. This is too much. Um, and so you need somebody that can simplify it and take things a step at a time. You know, the old, old saying, how do you eat an elephant a bite at a time? Somebody that can be able to take that process and really be able to do that. Um, you want somebody that's not easily overwhelmed and can handle the crazy things that businesses go through as they're growing. And I know everybody in this call is looking to grow and get better. 
Um, so, you know, the, those are good problems to have, the growing pain, so to speak. So somebody that can grow with you. And then you want somebody yeah. who's able to really mm -hmm. achieve goals. They're able to, they have, and they want mm -hmm. to achieve goals. Somebody that's very driven. So I would say those are really the key mm -hmm. important mm -hmm. things in those type of management jobs. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. So hiring project manager, uh, <clears throat> production manager, I know that is a need for a lot of residential contractors, um, because they want to, they're their own project manager right now. Right. right? And they're on site, they're doing the sales, they're doing the calls They're you know, some, some are, you know, doing it all themselves. And, um, you know, they want to be able to hire a project manager. So this is key that when they hire someone, they, that it's someone that is able to um, break down complex situations and simplify it into, into steps easily. Um, I wonder if there is, is there a way to, that you would recommend or have seen um, to be able to identify if someone is that type of person in an interview process, even if it's multiple interviews. Um, do you know of any like a good example or a little uh, practice that you could execute in an interview for yeah, that? So in an interview, you could give them a complex problem. Like you could give them like a job that you're working on right now, right? And if you're the owner operator, you're wearing all the hats and you're trying to take off some of the hats and, and, you know, just be the owner. <laughs> uh, that's definitely tough to do. And you want to get somebody that's going to make your life easier, not harder. So maybe tell them about a job that you're working on right now and say, what would you do? and see where they go from there. They may not know all the technical aspects, that's okay, but what you wanna understand is their thought process. You can teach technical things, right? They may not know the exact like terminology, don't get hung up on that, but you wanna see kind of the process and how they think through like bigger projects and bigger ideas. If they've been in a role like that before, that's also a great time to say, tell me about a time when Tell me about a time when you ran into a challenge in a project and what did you do? Tell me about a time, your, tell me about your most successful project that you ever worked on and why do you consider it the most successful? Um, those types of questions are really great if somebody's been on in that role before because you'll be able to uncover a lot. If somebody says, my most successful project was this one X project because it was super easy and I had absolutely no problems and I didn't have to deal with anything. That's probably a red flag because that doesn't happen all the time. You want somebody that can work through problems. Mm. So maybe that you want somebody that felt a victory when they were able to overcome, not when they were just able to get through something very quickly. Mm. Wow. Okay. Those, that's, that's perfect. That answers my question. Exactly. So boom, uh, when we're hiring project managers, production managers, um, yeah, give them a job that you're currently working on right now. This is going to, how would you handle this? Or tell me about an experience in the past. Give me an example. Those no brainer. Perfect. Thank you for that. That's Absolutely. huge. Um, and with that, our residential contractors are going to be able to hire project managers. They do, they get their onboarding process, they get their career path, they apply correct pressure, they find the right people, and they're going to be able to step out just a little bit of the day to day of and being, you know, working 80 hours a week. They can grow, hire that right person, and get some relief and be able to even provide a better service to their, to their customers. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Absolutely. And lastly, how is hiring salespeople a whole different animal than hiring for anyone else? And what can you do to create a solid hiring funnel? Oh, good question. So salespeople are a whole different ball game um, for a few reasons, but salespeople need to be able to um, think on their feet. They need to be strong relationship building. They need to be good listeners to have consultative selling. 
Um, they need to handle stress, but in a different way than a project or product manager, because they need to be able to handle stress like as it's happening. And with sales, there's a lot of ups and downs. You have really good days, a lot of victories, and then there's some slow times where you're getting a lot of no's and it can feel discouraging. It's hard to bounce back from. Um, so it's really important that you get somebody that can ride out the highs and the lows and is pretty even keel. That's really key. And one of the things that we talk about is sales DNA. Um, and so there's a few key components, there's six key components to sales DNA that are important um, that salespeople possess. So one is not needing approval. A lot of times salespeople really feel like they need approval from their prospects. They don't, you can replace that with need to be liked. So they feel like they need to be liked by their prospects. Um, you don't need to be liked by your prospects, you need to be respected and seen as the trusted advisor. The respect is what you should be looking for, not just that you're buddy-buddy with somebody and they like you. And the reason being is if you are too concerned with being liked or what the prospect's gonna think of you, it can keep you from asking tough questions like uncovering budget, things that are more uncomfortable, asking those consultative questions that are really important so that need to be liked or need for approval, it's important that they don't have a strong need to be liked, that they have a strong need to be respected. Um, another one is the ability to stay in the moment and really be present. And the reason I say that's important is because it's crucial in relationship building and consultative selling that you're a good listener, a really good listener. You should be doing most of the listening and less of the talking if you're a salesperson. And so um, it's and, and also it's important that you're present. You're not caught up in what happened three questions ago or the trap that most salespeople fall into thinking about what they're going to say next. They're just so concerned about what they're going to say next that they're not listening and present to what's actually going on. So that ability to stay in the moment is really crucial. Um, you want to make sure that these people have supportive beliefs. So meaning that they have a belief system that supports ideal sales outcomes. So you want somebody that has strong beliefs that they're able to, you know, ask questions, consultative, consultatively sell, not tolerate put-offs and think-it-overs and those type of things, but have the strength to be able to push forward and through objections. So having supportive beliefs is really key and important. And then also we talk about a supportive buy cycle. And what that means is oftentimes the way that you buy is the way that you sell. So if the way that you buy does not support ideal sales outcomes, if you're a think it over, comparison shops, does your research, you know, thinks something's a whole lot of money when it might not be a whole lot of money, those don't support ideal sales outcomes. So you want somebody that's decisive, that gets the information that they need and they're able to make a decision because that's what they're gonna expect from their prospects. Um, also, they need to be comfortable discussing money. This is you know, pretty self-explanatory, but some people it's such a taboo subject. They feel like, oh, I can't talk about money, it's rude. I was brought up, you don't talk, it's you know, tacky. Um, bottom line is when you're trying to sell something, you have to uncover a budget. Like you have to talk about money, otherwise no transaction gets done. So they need to be comfortable with that. And lastly, but not least, um, is the ability to handle rejection. So you got to get a lot of no's in order to get yeses in sales. So somebody that's able to bounce back quickly, not get hung up, but overcome that, keep a positive attitude and really be able to bounce back from rejection is really key and important. And those are really the things that make up somebody's sales DNA. And we have a tool that's able to measure that even before you hire somebody. That's pretty cool. So you can have all this insight into somebody, their, their sales DNA and their competencies before you even hire them. I recommend that. Um, that's definitely really helpful. And if you want to learn more about that, I'll tell you where you can learn more about that. Um, but then as far as a sales funnel goes, um, I'll tell you how our sales funnel works at my company. I'll tell you how I was hired. So, like I said, I was kind of passively looking for a job and I came across a job posting and it was of Ryan, our CEO. It was a video 
which made it stand out. It was a video. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't have to read a bunch of text. I can just watch a video, right? And it was a video that was all about the company, the core values, and then the position and the expectations. And that really captured my interest. It really did. And, you know, we have core values that uh, their core values align with mine completely. And the one that spoke to me the most was a greater purpose. And we're a greater purpose company. We're not just selling something for the sake of selling something. We're selling something and really want to see people transform their business and transform their lives. That's what we want to do. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. And so um, there was a link on the job posting that took me to an application and then took me to that evaluate the assessment, the sales assessment that tested my sales DNA and sales competencies. So that's kind of how the funnel worked. Um, obviously, I did pretty darn well because I'm here. So I did well on the assessment, um, but no telling how many people that filtered out. So, you know, they only talked to quality candidates. Um, I got a phone interview and then a Zoom interview, and it was a pretty long interview process, but then I was finally hired and thrilled to be hired. Um, but that was the way that the funnel worked kind of high level. So you make sure at the end of the funnel, you're getting the top quality candidate that's coming out. Mm. Wow, that's huge, huge, wow, okay. So, man, we hit a lot of stuff right there. That is amazing. Um, so first off, uh, to bring it back to who we're hiring, we need to be looking to find people that have that sales DNA, like you were just saying, handle rejection, handle the low times, they don't need approval, uh, they typically don't need approval, uh, uh, they don't need to be liked by their prospects. They need to be respected. That's a that's a big a big shift. That one I really like. Oh, that's a good one. That for me, I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of people listening in, you know, as well. That's a huge shift and super important. It's like sometimes you want to be there for your prospects, but to be there for them, you need to be respected so you can be that trusted advisor. So that's huge. Um, and then can ask the tough questions because you're respected stay in the moment, not be thinking about the next question that you have in your mind, that you're truly listening to them. Um, and, you know, it's funny. One thing that I try to force myself to do to get better at this is write in a journal when I'm listening because then it, like, forces mm. me to slow down and actually be in the moment. It's like, because I have that problem too, you know, is jumping ahead a little bit too much and just got to be in the moment. That's, that's huge. Um, and then beliefs, what are their beliefs about money? How do they buy in their own buying cycle? That's, that's also uh, big time because however they do it, that's how they're going to attract those types of people and are going to project that type of process and uh, can comfortably discuss money. Um, and, uh, you know, wow, that's huge. So which kind of leads me to the next thing of, there's that the uh, filtering process and there's the test that you took that sales evaluation test that's really really cool and i think that we can definitely we should definitely talk about that today um but what also kind of pops up in my head is um there's different types of personalities right different like you take a personality test you know and you see there's you're the you know you're dominant in one of the four categories or one of the nine categories or whatnot. Do you, have you ever um, done any of those personality tests? Have you ever found those to be beneficial at all to you? Do you like, hey, a salesperson is usually this, this number or this type, anything like that? You can, you can speak to that? Yeah, so I can definitely speak to that. I've taken pretty much every assessment under the sun, whether it's DISC, Myers-Briggs, what motivates me. There's a lot of different, uh, different evaluations and tests out there. And the way I feel about them is they're all valuable. They're all, you're able to learn about yourself. You're able to gather information, learn where you can improve, learn when you can grow, know where your strengths are so you can really leverage your strengths. That's just as important as knowing your weaknesses, as knowing your strengths. So those are really mm -hmm. important. But what's different about this assessment, this pre-hire assessment, that's it's by the objective management group and it's something that we offer at Sales Transformation Group, but it's strictly sales aptitude. So it's not a personality profile. It's not a psychological mm -hmm. evaluation. 
It's just strictly your sales DNA and your sales competencies. So it strips away the personality and it just focuses on the competency. So I find that to be the most valuable. I, I found my disc assessment very valuable and Myers-Briggs and all of that, but you know, you wanna hire, personalities are important, but you don't always, sometimes you get personalities that are just different from yours and that's okay. You don't need to hire mm. clones of yourself. You can hire yeah. people that are very different, but you want to hire them based on their skills, not necessarily just their personality. So that's what I really mm. like about this assessment is it takes away all of that and it just strictly measures skills and aptitude. Got it. Got it. So yeah, that it's, it's going straight for performance, sales performance, you know, what their abilities, um, with the personality test, I guess what what I was thinking is kind of like their tendencies and their uh, and people's default, you know, kind of mm -hmm. kind of like uh, yes, I do, I force myself to do well here, but my tendency is actually more this, and I I wonder if those can play together. I I'm I bring that up right now because I'm kind of getting into those those uh, those personality tests with myself and my team. Uh, right now and I'm finding it fascinating I'm like oh my gosh you know and so let me oh, guess are you like an the rejection ID? are you an uh, ID? I haven't done the disc I haven't done the disc okay. I just did the I just did the Enneagram uh I just did the Enneagram but I'm gonna what's ID is is it um something in the dominant right yeah influencer. what is what's ID influencer and dominant influencer yeah, yeah with, with some dominance in there i think that's you you're very influential and very charismatic and a leader for sure <laughs> uh, well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> and i will definitely be taking that test and we'll see how accurate you are <laughs> um <laughs> I, I just took i just took the enneagram test and i came out as a three which is like uh focused on it's like achievement and driven by that and it's so interesting but um like there's also uh, you may have heard of this too which is uh, this is actually not like a test i've just heard of this where there's like four different personality types one is like uh, they use birds eagle uh, peacock owl and then dove and there's definitely like i i am personally so i could just speak for myself so i don't have to throw anyone under the bus like I know that I've, um, I I have become an eagle out of, out of like necessity, the leader, and I'm uh, I'm a bit of a peacock where I'm okay being like on camera in the center of a, a group or something <laughs> like there's that. But then I'm also very much um, a bit there's like a piece of uh, like the dove where I actually care about people a lot. So I mm -hmm. tend to not handle rejection as well. I've gotten way better at it by just getting rejected a ton, <laughs> but it's not my natural <laughs> tendency, you know? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, well, hey, when you're in business, shoot, that's what happens. I'm sure everyone, all entrepreneurs can relate. But um, so it, that's where that comes from is kind of like, I know that my tendency is not some of those things. Like I could step up and make it happen if I was applying mm -hmm. for a sales position, but I know that I probably wouldn't actually be the best candidate for a sales position, mm -hmm. like in like a frontline spearheading door knocking way. Like I know that I could, um, in a sales aptitude, maybe I would come out like, Hey, this guy's a rock star. But then like deep down inside, I know like I'm secretly not actually that natural type of person that would be able to just door knock and take projection. Like, like, and like nothing ever happened, you know? Yeah, like uh, so do I don't know if, if personality, right, right. Anything that you can speak yeah. to on that when hiring people and stuff like that? Well, see, one of the things that it measures is the will to sell. So not only does it measure your skills, but it measures your desire, your commitment, your responsibility, your outlook. Um, and so it actually measures, so you can come back killing the whole test. But if your will to sell isn't there, you know, that does, that means they might maybe would be a better product manager or project manager. It doesn't mean that they're out completely, but you want somebody who is coachable, which is another thing that's measured. 
coachable and has a strong will to sell. Those are the two kind of fundamental things. The rest you can train and develop and learn and teach, um, but you can't teach somebody motivation. You can't teach somebody to be motivated or have desire. Like those are really hard to force. So my guess is your evaluation, we can have you take an evaluation. That might be kind of fun. Um, but my guess is you'd probably do really well on the actual like sales part of it, but your will to sell wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Potentially, yeah. Okay, I like it. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna take you up on that. Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So that's huge. That's huge. Um, so, boom. When hiring a salesperson, completely different animal. They, you want them to have that sales DNA. You want them to be able to handle that rejection. Be able to uh, be respected. Not need to be liked. Um, can discuss money and has their own buying cycle that, that someone can respect. Um, and also, we were obviously we're just hitting on um, the funnel that you guys use for your clients and that you actually went through yourself. So this is a huge takeaway for, for listeners right now. So you wanna hire some, you wanna hire some A player talent. Um, you know, the difference that you're gonna, the different approach that you're gonna take compared to all the other people looking for the, offering the same position is you're going to create a ad with a video. And I think I've even seen, uh, basically you build a funnel, a landing page, put the video on there and, you know, really go big on core values, what the company's about and have that, just having that video is so different. Like you said, it's like, Whoa, this, like, this is the real deal. It's not just like an indeed job posting and then that's it. You know, like, and then you get a phone call. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's our values. Here's our page. Here's all of the expectations. Here's our onboarding path, what it looks like. Here's what a career path looks like. Maybe even create a little graphic, cool visual of what that looks like, of here's your pathway, onboarding, career path. Like, then application, and then the OMG test, evaluation test. That's Mm -hmm. huge. And for you listeners listening in now that are interested in this, um, Victoria will share a little bit of information on that. And then after that, get them on the phone and then get them in group Zoom interviews. Is there any any key takeaways you'd like to share on those on the calls and on the Zoom group interviews? Are there any key points that they should definitely hit? We've off, we've obviously talked we've spoken a little bit about applying that pressure, asking the right questions. Anything else you'd like to add to those phone calls and those Zoom group interviews? Yeah, so I think this is when it's really an important time to focus on your core values and make sure that those are in alignment as well. So as well as applying the pressure, as well as asking the situational questions, tell me about a time, um, that's really important. But this is, you know, this is probably where you want to take a look at that personality. Um, And do you think that person is going to be a good fit? Because a lot of times people are going to tell you what you want to hear, especially during an interview. That's just the Mm -hmm. nature of the beast, right? Nobody, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to say, do you have a greater purpose? No, I have no greater purpose. Like Mm -hmm. people are going to tell you what they want to hear and you have to be able to see through that. And it takes some practice. Um, One of the good things about the evaluation is it gives you specific questions to ask the person based on how they answered certain questions. So if there was a red flag somewhere, it gives you follow-up questions to ask. So that's really helpful. Um, But you wanna just check and make sure that this person is really gonna be a good fit and has a good attitude. Um, And that's something that, like I recommend Zoom, if you can't meet in person, that you can tell so much more by somebody's facial expressions, the way they express themselves, the way they talk, just visually. I mean, what is it? 80% of our is, is body language, you know? So there's so much you miss over the phone. Um, so I'd recommend Zoom or in person is, is even better. Um, but yeah, so this is when you really wanna make sure that your, your values align with theirs. And ask them questions like, are they, are they into sports? It kind of seems silly, but like you want to know, are they competitive? Like, can they play with the team and are they competitive? Things like that. It's really your time to kind of dig deeper into what you've already found out about them and ask them, why did you apply for this job? What was it that spoke to you? 
what you know mm. why why are we here right now you know what is, is it because you just need a job and you need a job for the next mm. three months or is there something bigger mm. than that and um mm. really dig deep with your questions and and just kind of feel it out and let you know kind of guide the the conversation where you want it to go but also let them guide it a little bit too and see where that takes you wow amazing perfect okay yeah that's huge um yeah, figure out what's their driving force for being there. Is it just to make a buck or is there something bigger? Like for you, you really latched onto those values and that greater purpose. And that's when you start locking in those A players. So that's huge. Thank you for that. Is is there, um, so I heard you say, do Zoom if you can, or in person, obviously. Um, and you're hiring locally, so in person could, could make a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. But would you, is your process phone call first then zoom or um yeah is it phone call first and then zoom so yeah i would do a phone call first um as silly as it sounds make sure they can string together a few sentences <laughs> so you know yeah. a phone call that <laughs> a phone call that you can kind of get a feel for them how do they answer the phone are they like what you know, or they like, yeah. hi, this is Victoria speaking. How can I help you? You know, you can tell a lot of yeah. different things, you know, just from over the phone, but call them over the phone to schedule a Zoom interview. And unless it goes, yeah. you know, very poorly, then, you know, I would go to that next step. But calling over the phone kind of will give you a heads up into what you're getting into. Cool, cool. I like that. And um, for the Zoom, is it a one-on-one -on -one or do you guys recommend doing a group Zoom interview? So um, I think it's good to start one-on-one. -on -one. I think it's good to start one-on-one. -on -one. And then as they progress further, like I did a panel interview in person. They flew me to Miami and kind of grilled me for two hours, which is totally fine. It was good. Um, but uh, then, you know, that was a panel interview. There were there were several people in the room. Um, so it's that's another way to put some pressure on people is doing a panel interview because you, you got to see if people can like read the room if they know kind yeah. of where to look and, you know, just like you can tell a lot about a person if, if they're squirming in their seat, you know, you want to make sure they feel comfortable because if they're not going to feel comfortable in front of their potential employer, how are they going to feel in front of their prospect? Um, mm -hmm. it, it can really tell mm -hmm. you a lot and show you mm -hmm. how they, how they react under that stressful situation. Wow. Okay. So obviously first of one-on-one, -on -one, uh, would you recommend, uh, I don't know, let's say like, right. Okay. This is going to be a multi-step zoom interview process or fly in person or so, um, would you say, okay, phone calls, zoom interview one-on-one -on -one, and then potentially bring you in it's local. So, um, most of the time, uh, I'm guessing that we're going to be advertising locally for the job posting, but right. um and then that third maybe that third interview is that an in person you would say would be recommended or what would you recommend yeah yeah i'd say the sooner you can get in person the better the sooner you can get in person and then i'd start out with a one-on-one -on -one interview and make sure that it's going to be a candidate that frankly is going to be worth the time of bringing in a bunch of uh, like a panel interview like let's say you we've mm -hmm. got three people like you want your other employees to sit in and get their opinion or you want your husband or wife to sit in and get their opinion or whatever, but make sure it's going to be worth their time. So you take some time with them personally before you move them on to the next step. It also gives the person a sense of achievement. So they're working their way through a process and, yeah. you know, then they're expecting a process is going to be in place as they continue their journey, right? And an onboarding mm -hmm. process, but it gives yeah. them a sense of achievement. Like they're moving to the next level, they're moving on. So I would say kind of go in that order. I love it. Um, and would you ever recommend a group interview process? I don't think they can hurt. Um, I don't think they hurt, but I think because it, it's helpful to see people in a group setting. Um, but I think you're really going to get the best feel for people when you have a one on one conversation with them. Um, that's okay. really going to be when you're going to uncover like who they are, what type of person they are. Do they align with your values? Um, 
if somebody acts very differently in a group interview, like they can't handle that stress or pressure, then, you know, that can tell you, but I don't really recommend them. I think you're really going to get the most value from one-on-one -on -one time. Okay. Got it. I love it. Perfect. 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 Okay. Awesome. So, um, wow. Huge value for everyone listening in that's in the seat where they're really thinking about hiring people, maybe stepping a little bit more out of the business, maybe, maybe only crazy, only working 40 hours a week, hopefully even less <laughs> eventually. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I just spoke to someone that's working 10 to 15 hours a week right now in the residential contractor business. You know, that's, she's like, oh, I'm in a good place. So that's the dream. And let's, we want to get you there guys. So that's why you're here. That's why you're listening. We want to hire properly so you can get to that position. Um, so we're going to recap huge value. Let's take notes, get the pen and paper out. So we're not going to hire out of desperation anymore. We're not going to hire out of convenience. We're going to apply adequate pressure. We're going to have an onboarding process to give them certainty that you know what you're doing and potentially even a career path for them. Hey, you're going to start here, but we expect to grow. And because of that growth, there's going to have to be people under you and you're going to become a manager over those people. Like, what does that look like? Boom. That's number one. That's huge. If you can have those things in place, you are going to attract a player talent compared to if you just got a spaghetti mess, you know, people are going to be like, Ooh, a little standoffish. So that's huge. Um, and number two is when hiring project and production management, make sure that there are people that can handle complex situations and break them down and handle that stress and be actually optimistic of the unknown, not the pessimistic of the unknown, like, Oh, what's going to happen today? There's cause it's going to be all over the place with production. You never know what's going to happen. Things are going to break. You're going to need to repair things. You need to help customers, help clients. So that's huge for production. Cause I know our listeners are thinking about hiring those types of people. And number three is when also they're thinking about this. I know they are is hiring salespeople to replace them. Cause right now they're estimating everyone. They're on every job site. They need to hire a manager and they need to hire a salesperson. And to hire that right salesperson, we want to make sure that they can handle rejection, are good, and can um, you know be good in those low times. Maybe they're getting a lot of no's. That they're they're in, they're they're self-sufficient emotionally, internally, and um, can you know ask those tough questions. Don't need to be liked. Can be respected. Uh, that that look to be respected, not liked, and that actually have a good philosophy on buying themselves. Comfortable discussing money. That is huge. And we're going to talk here in just a second about um, this, this uh, valuation test. But before we, um, before we jump into that, I want to ask one last uh, important question for our Christian contractor listeners that are listening in right now. Uh, Victoria, if you wouldn't mind just jumping in a little bit on um, how God has played a part in your journey. I know it's been all over the place. You know, we all have crazy different journeys, but I would love to hear about like, how has God played a part in your journey and how, and what takeaways have you had? Like, I know we operate on biblical principles and in this way, you know, we have uh, this result, you know, you reap and you sow. You sow this way, you're going you're gonna to reap the harvest on the other end this way because you practice self-control. You practice honor, respect, or whatever that is. So just uh, let me uh, jump in there and, and let me know how God has played a part in your life. Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I wouldn't say God's played a part in my life. I would say he's completely directed it. Um, and that has just been apparent over and over again. I can't even tell you. I mean... We all have hard times and it's they're hard to get through, but like as looking back, you can see how God has directed your path and um, and is, is guiding you to the next phase in life. You know, I think about even where I am right now, you know, I am in a job that I love in a company that I love and believe in that I work for. I've got great coworkers and I'm so grateful. And I wasn't even looking, you know, I feel like it, things don't happen by coincidence. You know, it's God's hand kind of guiding us. I feel so fortunate in my personal life. You know, I've had my ups and downs and, you know, I feel, I feel grateful that my father's a minister and I grew up in the church and taught biblical mm -hmm. principles from a very young age. So that's been great. And, 
you know, God has led me through many twists and turns, you know, led me to my husband, or we're going to have a family hopefully soon, and, you know, just so many things. Like, I feel like God has just really directed my path, and it really makes me grateful. And, and I think, you know, even back to some of my hardest times, you've got to have the lows to have the highs, right? And there's always a bigger plan at work. Like, I just feel like we, we're so sometimes such tunnel vision and so narrow-minded and we can only see just like what's in front of us. But like God sees the whole picture. He's got the whole picture and we just can see a frame of it. And I think that that's just so important to remember and, and the blessings of just, you know, being faithful and, and just believing and, and really worshiping and all the things that we can do to really live our lives the way we should be living. And like you said, you reap what you sow. And so if you're sowing good things, you know, you're going to just see the benefits of that. And I hope that everybody listening is is sowing good seeds and going to be able to reap the rewards in their business going forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And um, yes, you know, there's 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 two different routes that we can go down and we've seen them all. And we've seen lots of people go down the route of, you know, potentially uh, cheating and lying and stealing from each other. I mean, I actually, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand and it, you can go down that path and, or, uh, you know, you can, uh, I mean, in my life, and I'm not going to, because I don't want to preach to anyone of what you should do, but what I've done is, I mean, in my story, in my life, I, I completely flipped that script, made it all about serving others and got on the path that God had for me and followed those you know, practice patience and self-control and like stepped into those principles. And because of that, you know, people see that and they see a change in your heart. They see a change in your demeanor, you know, how you speak to people, how you connect to people. And, and you're not in a, and you're not in a rush to get anywhere. You know, like some people, I feel like ah, I just need uh, selfishness, greed, 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 money, 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 money. It's like you, people can smell that. Right. And when you like pump the brakes, and practice self-control and start to want to help others and have a greater purpose and have impact, people smell that the same. And if they know that if they are going to give it to you, that they're going to get, God's going to get it through you to impact other people in a positive way, then people are way more happy to hand over their hard-earned money because they know that it's going to go towards something um, greater than just you and me and my greed and selfishness. And so, yes, 100% for, like, I think the biggest thing is, like, salvation and our souls and want to go to heaven. And that's obviously number one in the Great Commission, making disciples of the nation, be it salt light, light of the earth. And that is, you know, and believing in Christ, that is the key. But hey, just so you know, the Bible is also an instruction manual for life, you know? Not only will it help you in heaven, it's going to help you on earth too. Cool. You mm -hmm. reap what you sow, right? You till the earth. You're patient. You you serve others. You give. You're purpose-driven. Like, you're going to reap on the other end of that harvest on this lifetime too, which is like, it's a w double whammy. So, huge. <laughs> Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Wow. That's huge. So, okay, before we, we're going to sign off here, guys, I really appreciate everyone tuning in and listening in. This is huge. Um, my prayer is that we take away tactical, applicable tactics from this that you can actually put in your business and grow in your business and do it in a way that honors God. Um, and before we jump off, tell us a little bit about that OMG test. I think some people are, are chomping at the bit. Um, where can people learn more about that? Where can people uh, connect with you and learn more about this hiring process and potentially go through the whole the whole bit and be able to hire some A players? Yeah, so absolutely. So my name is Victoria Cartmill. Cartmill is my last name. So you can definitely look me up on LinkedIn. Please connect with me. Um, I spell my name with a K. I was born in Sweden, and that's how they spell it there. So my email is Victoria with a K, no C. Um, at salestransformationgroup.com. So please feel free to email me, reach out. You can go to our website, salestransformationgroup.com to get more information. And I really work very closely with our one of our products, Residential Sales Accelerator, and I'm really passionate about that program. Um, and I think it's something that probably a lot of your listeners can benefit from going through. And um, it includes a recruiting piece 
which has, you know, I went over very high level what that funnel looks like, but it includes a recruiting piece with more information about the objective management group evaluation. So please reach out to me or reach out to Sales Transformation Group. Um, another thing I did want to mention is we are having a transform conference with Brandon. You're coming too, right? You know it. Got my ticket yeah, and my Brandon's ticket and flight already booked. Let's go. All right. Well, I get to meet you in person then. That'll be great. We've got some great speakers. It's called the Transform Conference. You can find out more information on the website as well, but it's going to be full of contractors, growth-minded contractors from all over the nation that are coming to get together. It's going to be inspirational. It's going to be informational. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'd love to see anybody is invited to come and join and um, it's going to be great. So yeah. Yes. Awesome. 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 I will drop the link to salestransformationgroup.com and also, uh, Victoria, go ahead and get me that link for the conference and I'll drop that in the comments below also. Um, and on that note, thank you so much for being here, Victoria. I really, really appreciate you. Uh, thanks for everyone listening in, tuning in. I hope that you got a ton of value. This is applicable stuff. I want you to take away, take notes, checklist it, and let's actually apply it in your business. You're in the group. Let's get connected. Let's actually apply this stuff. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Christian Contractor Podcast. I'm Brandon Guthrie with Dream Design Labs. If you're a Christian contractor that wants to truly operate on biblical principles and scale to seven and even eight figures and beyond in a way that furthers the kingdom and positively impacts your family and the world around you, then head to ddlonline.com forward slash case hyphen study and access the step-by-step -step process that we use to scale residential contractors and operate on biblical principles to take territory in God's name and be a light in the darkness. The goal that God has ordained for us is to use our talents to positively transform 1,016 contractors' lives. Check it out. It's free. I guarantee you get a ton of value from it. Remember, marketing doesn't have to be hard. All you need is the right tools and the right heart to serve. Till next time, stay blessed. Victoria, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been enjoyable. Awesome. See ya. Bye, guys. Thank you, Christian Contractor family, for hanging out with us today. Let's get out there, do great work, and make a positive impact. If you want to connect with Brandon, head to Instagram and follow him at BG44. Let's change not only your life, but the world around you.